I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is the Bad Batch Report. (laughs) 
wonderful, wonderful drums of excitement for this exciting episode. I was uh, curious if uh, Ken was going to make drums or the horn of a tech kaiju raise, uh, rising up from the mountain crumbles. These are some great trailer noises, right? The the, yeah. the noise that has dominated trailers for the last decade. The bang. Oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I was. I, I just can't, I can't make that sound. I think I've done too much screeching in this part of the show. So we we'll get back to some music. Yes. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person making wonderful mouth noises is Ken Napsock. We're going to make some more n- mouth noises that are hopefully all words or mostly words as we discuss this newest episode of The Bad Batch. It is season two, episode five, entitled Entombed, written by Christopher Yost, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, a name that should be very familiar to uh, animated Star Wars fans. And this season continues to be story edited by Matt Machenovitz. Uh Ken, we always like to start with our viewing experiences. Did you stay up for the, the midnight experience? <laughs> I did <laughs> the not. jazz album of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have not yet for any Bad Batch episode uh, because we were blessed uh, and fortunate enough to have the screener. So I've just kind of relied on that uh, and then also went to bed early and missed a rather sizable earthquake in L.A., which is rare because I actually love earthquakes <laughs> and I miss them in a weird way. I don't want any destruction or death, but I like earthquakes. It, it kicks in an adrenaline I, I enjoy and I missed it. I slept through it, slept your Bad Batch, slept through the earthquake. So I'd watched the screener a couple of days ago. And did you do anything special or was it just like, hey, it's Sunday afternoon or whatever? Uh, I, I will. You know what? This is that's a great question. I had a little bit of the I got to sit down and watch this. And that can sometimes not be the best frame of mind to watch anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that like ah, we were doing a review, but early. Uh, uh, all right. Let me make some soup and watch and uh, soup and watching. Sometimes it's great. <laughs> sometimes it's just like you take it in, which might have uh, now that I think about it. <laughs> might have fueled the way I, I, I looked at this episode at first. Yeah. Yeah. I know you have an affinity with Wrecker. So when you describe yourself eating soup and watching this, I just, I picture you as Wrecker going, ah, soup, ah, chunks. <laughs> just as loud. <laughs> just as loud. <laughs> nice, loud, is slurping. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I watched the midnight uh, experience of the premiere of Bad Batch and was just so tired. I had to watch them again in the morning immediately. Uh, so I have been uh, watching the screeners, which we're lucky to have. I watched this one right after we recorded two episodes of Force Center. So it's just like, I'm I'm in zone. It's, in zone, yeah. <laughs> it's Star Wars watching, thinking time. So I made a, a little lunch and uh, watched the episode and really enjoyed it. And I think that um, it is, uh, it's great to try to still make it a little bit uh, of a ritual, which I was really glad that we, we could in particular, because last night, I fell asleep. Uh, I went to bed, but I fell asleep before I meant to. And I literally fell asleep on my phone and I woke up like a five-year-old with my wife gently lifting my head and pulling my phone out from under my head. <laughs> uh, stuck to the side of your face. That's one. Yep. Yep. And did wake up in time for the earthquake. And you're right. Huge caveat. Do not want any destruction or death or anything. But if it's not destruction and death, it is like a little thrill ride to be like okay i'm just gonna stay here on my bed and it's like i put a quarter in an old old motel room everything's great uh, yeah it is we could have a separate i mean we're 30 years out for the northridge quake which i had missed by a couple of years but worked at that mall that was famous uh, for being collapsing during the earthquake so it's it's something weird around here and, and yeah yeah all, all due respect there's been a lot of uh, tragedies of the years i want to be clear about that but there's mm-hmm. a there's 10 seconds of 
uh, is this the, is this it? And <laughs> you just don't know. And your every sense spikes up. But I, I missed it. So I'm glad you got to, one of us got to experience it. Yeah, I'm glad I got to experience it because it's a great segue into talking about this episode, which is a lot of danger, a lot of rumbling, a lot of fear of horror, some actual horror, but also enjoying the experience so uh what was your overall reaction love it like it struggle with it did you get grumpy with your soup what happened i i I got a little grumpy initially but i want to be clear about this i enjoyed it from the beginning there's one of my favorite shots in star wars in years is in this episode i am a huge indiana jones fan and this has all those indiana jones vibes. we're going to be talking about a lot i'm sure a lot of people on on twitter i've seen uncharted and fifth element a lot of those kind of things and it's all there. This is a big genre too. So I want to be clear uh, that I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I, I had a little bit of that, like, okay, you know, uh, people are going to start throwing words at this episode that I don't believe in like filler or whatnot. And I don't think that's accurate for this episode, but I, you know, I sometimes get impatient. I want the next big thing too. I want, the, I want the next big arc. You had that episode three, which was so powerful. And now you've had some fun episodes and I think we need those. And I think it's a good reminder. And it's a good reminder for me when I'm slurping soup and dipping bread into my soup that, that not everything is going to be Gungi, Gungi revealed or Cody turns good. Like all those things uh, need to be spaced out for budget reasons, for story reasons, pacing, re- pacing reasons. And this show has 16 episodes to play with, not six, eight or 10, which was something we're now kind of used to. Right. So we're mm-hmm. using the big needle drops at the end uh, and including big music needle drops at the end. Uh, and it was a good reminder for me. Um, I, I, there's a line in this episode about having fun could be fun, I think they say. And I thought to myself, okay, yeah, this is fun. And I need to have some fun. And I need not to have my pen out re- ready for some uh, gungy, gungy returns moments that everyone <laughs> played before. Uh, and, and, and that's how I started to approach it. Rewatch was rewarding. The music is some of the best. Uh, and that's saying a lot for Kevin Kiner, right? But the, the, the homages to Indiana Jones and other adventure movies with the Star Wars vibe, oh, was beautiful chef's kiss on that. Yeah, no, no. Kevin Kiner was like, you know, did did somebody, uh, I don't know who it would be, probably uh, Jennifer Corbett walk into Kevin Kiner's office or send him an email and go, hey, we're we're doing a treasure hunting adventure episode. (laughs) Kevin Kiner's eyes light up like uh, wistful (laughs) trills of wonder, danger horns of ancient tech kaiju. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) he knocked it. Yeah, he understood the assignment and knocked it out of the park. Yes, 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, really great to wrestle with because, uh, you know, it's an ongoing conversation with the, with these Star Wars stories and with the animated shows that are uh, for uh, children of all ages, I would say. Mm-hmm. that You know, they, there are very adult themes is, is a standard in Star Wars, but there is also a desire to uh, still have these kind of coming of age stories from a younger character's perspective like Omega. So I think it's kind of natural that episodes are, some episodes are, here's the big change, here's the big stakes, here's the canon um, boy, do I understand having uh, a, a an anxious energy. Uh, the trailer showed me uh, our Wookiee Jedi friend Gungi, who yeah. survived Order sixty six. It showed us Palpatine, one of my favorite characters. Yeah. So I understand the eagerness to kind of get to some of that big explosive stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm personally, I'm just not. I'm not feeling these episodes are just fun by any means. I feel like it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like very specific ideas are being layered in about who the characters are and what do they want. I almost feel like it has been finessed from mm-hmm. the first season, where the first season asked this question of, "Okay, where you're, you've been totally thrown out of your lives in in the literal reason you are created. You're not soldiers anymore. 
So who are you going to be? What's your noun? In the first season did to me kind of kept feeling like they were almost going to decide, okay, we don't want to be mercenaries. Okay, we do want to be freedom fighters. Okay, uh, we do want to be this, that, or the other. Um, and this season feels like it's it's taking that question and it's going much deeper with the characters. Like last week's episode is all about, you know, tech realizing his skill set doesn't limit him. He, in fact, can do many different things and therefore be many different things utilizing his skill set. So it's not a limitation. It's an, a door to adventure. Uh, yeah. There's so much in this episode. We'll, we'll dig into it, but it really it, it's about this balance of uh, fear versus adventure at unlocking joy it's continuing the theme that was explicitly started in the first two episodes of the season about treasure and you know if if it wasn't being well told it could be cheesy right of like what is the true treasure maybe it's friendship (laughs) maybe it's helping people maybe it's excitement like it can sound cheesy to just say it that way but i feel like what these episodes are doing this season is doing is taking its time to really develop that that theme of what is the true treasure? Who do you want to be? Not just in name and in activity, but down deep in your soul, who do you want to be? Yeah, I can, I can follow you on that trail, especially when we get to uh hunter, there's a lot of interesting hunter things in this episode, just his point of view, his, his grumpiness. He's got a bowl of soup uh, in this episode here, but just uh, you know, the changes in Omega, we always look at him as a, they're all father figures to Omega, but him him kind of specifically and, and the changes in their relationship as, as they as she gets uh, older and more independent or, uh, you know, more out in the galaxy. A lot of that kind of stuff. I thought there was a lot of stuff was at play there. So, yeah, we'll dive yeah. into that. Sure. Yeah. I, and I think I, I think for me, what I'm being really engaged by in these episodes is the way that they are constructed, that they are, especially the last two episodes and even the solitary clone in terms of the actual story beats, these stories are quite straightforward. They are very minimal. They're direct, elegant storylines. But the ideas that they are revealing in, in their beats mm-hmm. speak volumes. You know, I, I'm obsessed with the, this idea of tip of the iceberg storytelling. And these episodes, uh, particularly the last three, are like a tip of the iceberg themes of like, what are they wrestling with? What are they talking about? Now follow that iceberg out to our own history of storytelling or the Star Wars canon. And there's just, there's volumes being spoken, um, mm-hmm. but in a very, very minimal way. Um, a couple of huge things that that made me really, really respond to this episode is it's just great to spend time with Omega's absolutely infectious sense of wonder and fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just a, a, a joy, and this episode is really celebrating that joy. Um, I like the idea of the the Fee uh, Genoa character. It's a really fun take on Star Wars, you know, has a long history of the scoundrel, the pilot, the, or the pirate, uh, the rogue archaeologist, you know, everything from Solo himself to Dr. Afra to Hondo, right? And, and she's kind of a slightly different take on that Star Wars character, which is really fun. Um, and, and I feel like her presence is really interesting and important because she's this maternal presence to balance out the fact that Omega has four dads mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and most of them are a little grumpy and, and concerned. Right. And this, so this whole episode, because it isn't just Omega out with the bad batch, this isn't a dangerous mission that Sid sent them on. 
Fee's presence changes the energy entirely. So the whole episode has this great sort of vibe of uh, dad says you shouldn't watch that movie. It might scare you. And mom's mm-hmm. like, screw it. Grab some popcorn. You can handle Temple of Doom. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I was uh, not a, I was, I was, that was, that movie got me in trouble. Uh, yeah, no, great energy, great view, uh, great look at this uh, character. Uh, a big fan of Wanda Sykes, so to have her in the show and to have it, uh, you know, uh, add, adding to the, uh, the legends of pirates in Star Wars is, is a good thing for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but I, I did just want to talk about this uh, big idea of, of playing with, uh, you know, archetypes and storytelling styles. It is the I- adventure story. It is what I think, uh, you know, most of us are going to immediately see Indiana Jones or Uncharted in the, that initial uh, room uh, where uh, Omega needs to use the device and finds its parts glowing and line them up. It's like, that's a Legend of Zelda dungeon to me. Um <laughs> there was just the way the episode was constructed. I feel like it was also wrestling with the entire history of that genre. Cause most of the things that, that we're responding to mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and uncharted are responding to older adventure stories. Right. Yeah. Um, and this felt very aware of the history of the sort of uh, adventure artifact hunter genre, you know, going back to movie serials like the phantom and dangers of the Canadian mounted <laughs> oh, one where Canadians find mysterious artifacts and, and raid them. Uh, there's old radio shows. Like I love a mystery. that are all about adventure. Even young adventure books like Hardy boys and Nancy drew came to mind with o- Omega being the young one who's exploring all this. Uh, it, all of these these stories that we're responding to that are a little bit more modern are referencing even earlier stories from like the early to mid 20th cent, 20th century. Mm. Um, and what I thought was really interesting when we talk about sort of tip the iceberg thematic stuff is sometimes when we update things that we love from the past, we kind of bring some baggage with them, maybe that we didn't mean to, you know? Yeah. And I think like Star Wars and Indiana Jones have both, there's a lot of discourse about moments where they maybe brought something with them (laughs) from the past that they didn't mean to. And this episode seemed really aware of, it's not just fun, it is questioning the problematic tropes of these kind of stories, of what is good <laughs> what is bad uh what is necessary about how we wrestle with tall tales what is the risk of raiding uh, other people's culture even if those other people seem to be long gone it was really not turning away from any of that it, it was examining it and i thought that's what made this episode really uh complex and to me not just a fun adventure and, and not filler by any means yeah yeah no it's an interesting debate um about that side of the the view of it all. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that that's kind of one of the core thematic things at the end, particularly with, with fee, this is her whole life. Right. And, and, and even just, Hey, it's what we came here for is a big thing she's saying, uh, and what she's still wrestling with at the end. Uh, so I, I'm with you on all that. And, and looking back at the, at the history of those, and I think you're so right for some of those things. Temple of doom comes to mind of pulling something forward. That's a great way to look at it. Uh, and it's always valuable to stop and analyze what you're pulling forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this episode did both in the, the actual story, the events, but also in doing that kind of allowed us a little bit of a meta perspective on what do we love about these stories? Why do we keep wanting to tell them? What should we watch out for in these stories? Yeah. Um, yeah. So which we, we can get into even more. I also like that, you know, the, the 
tech kaiju, as I'm calling it, <laughs> the thing that burst out of the mountain is like, that's a great, uh, you know, space fantasy trope of the ancient uh, temple was actually a spaceship all along. I love that it's a Mechazillo beast, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I think in the, remember the, in the trailer, we saw this shot. And I think yeah. A lot of speculation of, well, maybe that's to fight the Zillow beast or something. <laughs> like that. Uh, and, and I, and I think, um, I think there's part of me too. I, I got to admit when that, when this, cause we'll talk about that moment. It's, it's one of my favorite moments when this creature pops out of the mountain, I went, but there's no Zillow beast here. What are we doing? And I think I, I fell victim to my own uh, trailer, <laughs> trailer hype of, uh, I was waiting for the Zillow beast. Where yeah. is it? Yeah. Yep, it's the Mechazillow beast. It's yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's almost like this ancient culture encountered a Zillow beast. And like, we can yeah. build one. We can build one of those. I, well, yeah. I, I mean, look, still maybe, <laughs> still maybe that comes into play. Right, a lot of mystery about the ancients. So, all right, uh, thank you for letting me uh, get excited and, and and rattle off some of the uh, the influences, yeah. the older stories uh, that I that I really like and. Really, uh, uh, when I was young and, and discovering them because I wasn't wasn't allowed to watch Indiana Jones yet, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of stories that made me have the reaction that Omega does of what is out there, discovery, fun, push through the fear, all that great stuff. Right, uh, right. So let's dive into that because I think those are some of the big ideas at stake. What did you think of when you thought what What's the theme? What are, What ideas are at stake in this episode, Ken? Yeah, I'll start with some of the 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 stuff with Hunter there. I'm fascinated by, again, him, I said the grumpy soup guy, but uh, him with the pursuit, the pursuit, uh, this whole pursuit and, and even fee and her stories and everything just kind of weighing on him and how he, he maybe has maybe a rigid approach. And she kind of is pushing for a flowing approach. And you can look at that as, as the overall for Hunter, the team, the mission, their identity, but just, I think him uh, and his relationship with Omega, I think there's some parallels to stuff in the past, uh, I do want to shout out our buddy Alex Damon pointed out a scene last year, which a couple scenes last year, which Hunter, Hunter Omega was literally uh, copying every move of Hunter. And that's a mm-hmm. present in this episode where she's copying the moves of Fee and just seeing him. Maybe he's he thinks he's wrestling with the mission or the pursuit of this treasure, but really he's wrestling with her growth and her development and his role in that and his role as a leader. I, I thought that just was through all the way through his. It, it was that almost sitcom dad <laughs> kind of vibe. And I was fascinated with uh, that to start looking at the episode deeper there. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. I think one of the the ideas that I wrote down is a kind of, it's all tied together, of course, but it mm-hmm. is a kind of separate thread, a thematic thread is this idea that you you have to pass through fear to discover fun, right? Mm-hmm. The classic uh, Star Wars, many other stories, but also, obviously, we're talking Star Wars, the, the classic Uncle Owen, yeah, don't go yeah. out there. <laughs> don't Very discover much. things, don't get involved, you know, uh, just stay here, stay the same. I think that's kind of what's being said about Hunter's character. I think Hunter is on this line between caution and fear and it's making him inert, right? If you look at it as, as caution, it's, Hey, uh, I love this kid. Like, like gangbusters. I need to keep Omega safe. We exposed ourselves real bad on Camino. The empire wants us gone. We need to keep our heads down. He even says a couple of times in this episode, it's like, all I want to do is survive. All I want to do is leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it yeah. really is like a dad, you know, taking, taking the family to the theme park. It's just like, I just don't want anyone to fall off the roller coaster and I want to be home. That's what I want out of this. Not fun, not adventure, not thrill, not a churl. I want to get home safe. That's what I want. You know, get your turkey leg and let's go. Get get your tur- don't choke and let's get home. <laughs> like, I feel like that 
his his lack of forward movement is his story right now you know yeah yeah and that that affects the group right that i mean you can look at it in terms of omega for last season where there was a lot of like look you're gonna, you're gonna be on your own we're gonna make decisions and here's your weapon and now she's got a helmet this season and that's all easy to say on paper but here she is actually growing and actually changing and actually wanting to do her own things and pushing past the fear. It's not just about protective parent, but he's the leader of the group. And this group has a, a combined fear maybe about, hey, if we go in one direction and choose this side that we kind of feel we have to, what is that going to lead to? And I think that he, him wrestling with all of it is, is, is a very important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's this, this fun picture of the Bad Batch, right? We kind of mm-hmm. know all of their different perspectives, you know, Big picture, they want to protect Omega, but they also know they need to let her grow. You know, that's been established since season one, that early episode with Cut and Sue LeQuain, where they're basically like, hey, children are going to explore and take risks. Your job is to be there and protect them when they get in over their head, right? And it feels like Hunter is still trying to adapt to that. Um, Wrecker and Tech are are a little fun. You know, I love that Wrecker is fun uncle in this episode, like Mm -hmm. playing and getting dirty, (laughs) you know, in the, in the junkyard. Uh, I think Tech is naturally cautious, but also he's curious to analyze things. So, so there's a little possibility that she can split off Wrecker and Tech and talk them into fun. Right. Uh, (laughs) But then Echo is just like a, a grump in his, not in his suit, but literally in his drink. It's, it feels like Hunter and Echo have just had yet another, we should be helping other people <laughs> yeah. conversation and fighting. Echo wants that. Hunter just wants to keep everybody safe. And it makes Hunter and Echo the, the real grumpy dads. Yeah. And I think this episode has this great zeroing in on, uh, Star Wars has a lot to say about, you know, not letting fear control you, right? But mm-hmm. there's a line between fear and caution, right? Of just being afraid that, ambiguously something bad could happen versus yeah you should be afraid of you know crossing the highway because you might get hit by a car Mm -hmm. you know and i feel like this episode really dials into that because we kind of want to agree with hunter and echo they have valid concerns they're they're world weary suspicion of of fee of her exaggerations maybe lies her greed maybe of just wanting this treasure and willing to throw anybody you know into a pit for it maybe uh, so there's this great perspective of kind of understandable caution. And then I think the great part of this episode is that they miss that there is more to it than just lies and greed, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that there is fun and adventure and that Omega needs to take risks to grow. Right. Yeah. It, and I think it's one of the things that makes me feel like this episode is, building on what's come before it is building on those first couple episodes that are about treasure you know uh it, it, we get to see omega build confidence from being the one who figures out the ancient escape room and i thought it was really interesting that she figured it out by picking up that compass and looking through it and we even see that scene earlier in the beginning of the junkyard where she takes something up and looks through it which is how the toy works that she didn't want anything to do with yeah but like it's building on her experiences and she's willing to look through things and discover things and see things in a new way. And it's continuing her evolution. And also it's just so cool because this is a horrific time in the galaxy and it makes her this beacon of light in the darkness of the empire that she is willing to grow and take risks and have fun and joy. Yeah, I love the uh, connection you're highlighting with the the first couple episodes. The specific connection with that toy, uh, proof that this sh- this show is, is 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 working with what you're talking about the the layers of these characters and, and building on things. And I think it's a great thing to point out. 
Uh, I think a lot of people might not immediately connect that, uh, not even just the surface level of she, look through, she looks through toys, uh, but uh, what that means and, and what that leads to her growth. I also want to hi- highlight, we don't know what Echo, Echo and Hunter were doing last week. They might have reason to be grumpy at that bar. We don't know. That. <laughs> yep, we, a little bit, like, yeah, maybe that that run to, what was it? Uh, ner- ner- the, yeah. Yeah, Nerf Nuggets. Maybe that Nerf Nugget uh, episode went really, really wrong. I love it sometimes when stories, when shows just show you a part of a story in the background. I, I hope that they uh, mention like the horror of the Nerf Nugget. Oh, if that was a runner, that'd be my favorite. Oh, that'd be the best thing. Like, well, you know what happened with the Nuggets? Well, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. just you slowly start to learn. Oh. <laughs> Absolute horrors that they don't speak of in, in Shudder when they mention Nerf Nuggets. I love it. Uh, what other ideas did you gravitate toward? Uh, well, I was going to put that the idea of uh, it, it could be fun, which is just a... Uh, this idea for all of us, uh, I, I look, I do agree with you that it's going to deep and it's building on things, but it, it's wrapped in this wonderful, fun package. And I, I think that can sometimes for me, how it works is just sit in this, just be in this moment. Uh, you know, forget the, we, we live in this world of connected storytelling and the next big beats. And, um, you know, you could, you could look at some of the big event television things over the last 20 years going, uh, Sopranos lost, uh, Ned Stark dying, all those things were like that. You're waiting for that so much. And, and this episode, um, reminding you like, there's, there's other kind of adventures in front of you. Um, there's other kind of things to experience and that does build you up and that does move the story forward. It does help you, um, know the characters. Remember one of my critiques of rogue one going to rogue one in 2016 was I just, uh, the second act. I didn't spend enough time with the team. And that can sometimes be a just a surface level critique of I didn't know them. There were no stakes, but I felt in that movie uh, one more mission, one more mission to see what they they were they got between them and what they mm-hmm. were working with. And I felt I felt this episode kind of works for that. So when I say it's like, hey, it, it could be fun. It just reminds me to be like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if there was a crazy wild adventure with a monster in the mountain, like? And, and what can you sit there with? And, and, and I think sometimes we as fans need that. And then also, you know, you can tie back to Hunter and, and all the stuff with Omega too. Um, it's a dangerous fun. <laughs> this is a fun with a capital fear. But, uh, you know, I, I think that I was kind of needed for me. Yeah, it is a dangerous fun. And I do think there are big ideas, but it, it is just like, hey, enjoy an adventure. I mean, I, I don't think it's just an adventure of the week because I think things are happening with the characters, but I think it is subtle and connecting to other episodes. So on the surface, yeah, adventure of the week. And I, and I, I do wonder if we're going to have a, a little bit of a pendulum swing in our society where people are craving a little bit of adventure of the week. There's a joy in that, right? Mm-hmm. This looks beautiful. It feels beautiful. It sounds beautiful. It is classic uh, kid on an adventure, you know, wondering the joy of wondering what's behind the secret entrance, you know, yep. can you find a way down the path? Are you clever enough? You know, should you be there at all? Like these are just kind of classic I- adventure storytelling things that this episode is celebrating of why we tell these stories at all. But you're right that we do have to slow down and, and like, okay, great. So, you know, Boba Fett's not going to pop up in this episode and, you know, Echo's not going to leave the team this episode. It's not going to be a, an, an event episode. 
Yeah. But what are the joys to be found in this? And I, I almost feel like this episode is making an argument for itself. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's yeah. making an argument for this kind of storytelling. Uh, no, look, I, I, this I almost seems like an overall reaction versus the themes. And, and we can get back to some of the individual themes. But I, I think you make a good point. Like uh, I, I made the note, uh, in, in, you know, treasures, treasures aren't found on maps, right? And this whole, this whole episode starts in a junkyard. And you got these two wonderful characters just go, look at this. And, and, and people are, you know, overlooking what they brought back. Right. And yeah. when I say it's fun, that's what, that's what I mean. You, you sit down and you and I often advocate for digging deeper. And I think this is an episode that you can enjoy on the surface and you can react to on the surface. But when you slow down, you're bringing up some excellent points as you always do, but excellent points of, of, of what's at stake here story-wise and you can just slip right past that if you don't slow down if you're at the bar having your grumpy drinking soup <laughs> going <laughs> why are we doing this why are we doing this and i think there's you have to i i, I go into what i've said earlier but the show is 16 episodes all that means to me is this show knows what it's doing particularly in the second season and it's going to stick with what it's doing and either you get come on board with it or or, or you're not and and I think that's fine. This show knows what it is as the group is figuring out what they are. And I, and I, 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 I really took that from this episode when I think Omega says it could be fun for exclamation points. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hunter says, you know, obviously direct Indiana Jones quote of says to fee, you're just making this up as you go and fee. It's part of the fun. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it, lots of fees, you know, Omega says, let's go. Fee says she's got the right attitude. Come on, kid. Time to go exploring. Just, yeah, yeah. It, that, that element of it is not subtle. Uh, one thread of what you're talking about that I really wanted to pull out and why I feel like the episode is advocating for fun adventure stories and kind of advocating um, for Star Wars is because it's explicit in framing it as what is what is the truth in a tall tale? What is a value in a tall tale? What is there anything true in what Fia is saying? And if not, why is she lying? All those questions are raised, right? Yeah. Uh, we start with that scene uh, uh, of Fee telling a tall tale to Ketch and Bolo and them leaning in and enjoying it and wanting to know what is next, explicitly like a serial cliffhanger, wanting to know what she found. And she's teasing them with it, right? And you get right from the beginning that, well, there's the value of mm -hmm. a tall tale. There's a value of a le legend. There's the value of... of the hearing the story of somebody else's adventure it's thrilling yeah. <laughs> and, and, and exciting and it, and it makes your mind wander and it's it's happening right there in front of us in this episode to you know uh <laughs> bar patrons uh catching bolo and then and then we receive it from hunter and echo and tech's perspective and tech's got the funny line of this story changes every time she tells it uh so to them they're like oh they're almost going like ah adventure stories yeah. uh, she's basically describing a filler episode <laughs> yeah, yeah it's it's lies it's a warning sign that she's not trustworthy it's a waste of their time because it's cold hard information that can be act verified and acted on right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but then the episode kind of really i think spends a lot of time advocating tall tales as, as a siren song to adventure and discovery it is a siren song to danger uh, mm -hmm. but also adventure and discovery you know we 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 learn that Fia, of course, does want the money, but that isn't all she wants. You know, she's she's not brutal. You know, uh, yeah. she saves Hunter and Hunter returns the favor by saving her. Uh, she, she'd love to walk out of there with the treasure, but she's elated to just find out what is true within the tall tales. She's heard, right? Because she's mm -hmm. heard 
the legend of this place of uh, of Shakanal, I believe. Um, uh, and and uh, Scaranal, excuse me, Scaranal. Uh, she's heard the legend of it, and she wants to know what is true within the legend. Obviously, Omega's sense of adventure and, and discovery is engaged by Fee's tall tales. She wants to go and have an adventure, and she can't wait to hear more adventures. You know, even right at the end, that's kind of the button of she's got another tall tale, and Omega's like, wow, you know? So we're watching characters go through what we go through by watching adventure stories in, in particular Star Wars, you know, Indeed. Star Wars is a tall tale asking us to sort through the past to find treasure, to find truth, to find value. The idea that there's always some truth in legend, but you go discover it. What is it? What's there for you? You go find out. This This kind of storytelling makes you wonder and want to go on an adventure, even if it's just in your mind, even if it's just an adventure deeper into the story that you're watching. I really feel like by making the, the, the episode explicitly contain legendary tall tales, it's inviting those thoughts. Oh, I 100% agree. I think uh, to you know, and it doesn't work in a, in a dull meta way. It works in a very entertaining way. Uh, I, I think we are catching Bolo. That's, that's our t-shirt. <laughs> we are catching Bolo. Yeah. yeah. And I also love that, you know, it, it, the, the adventure continues, right? Because now Omega can go tell this tale and, and she can exaggerate it here and there and people can wonder which parts are true. And even from our perspective, the adventure continues because there is a massive amount we do not learn in this episode. Uh, there are things implied that maybe some part of that culture made that tech kaiju and it laid waste to their planet. Maybe there were 80 of these and it was a sort of, you know, a nuclear arms race with tech kaiju. But, you know, why? Who contained it? Uh, who left a path for others to find that power? How did the compass end up there? What did, what did somebody want with that compass? Did they want somebody to find this and destroy it? Or do they, you know, there's, there's so many questions still left to ask, which makes the adventure go on in your mind. Absolutely. Keeps going. keeps, yeah. yeah. And, and I love that it didn't, um, I, we're never going to get those answers. And I love that. I love yeah. that. Actually. Right. It's great mm -hmm. to never get the answers. Uh, last big thing I wanted to talk about is what you were talking about that, you know, it could sound corny if it was just stated. Right. But, uh, mm -hmm. The real treasure is the experience, the knowledge, uh, the challenge. Uh, but I wanted to take a little bit uh, a deeper look at that. What are your thoughts on that theme? I think uh, here's the thing. I, I think it is somewhat simple and it, it needs to be. And I think we all need to hear that. I think there's a lot of things in this episode that we don't that we need to hear, not just the Star Wars fans, but yes, uh, the pursuit. The I put the idea of playing with the wrong powers. All that kind of f f flows back into that idea for me of, of uh, even continuing. I mean, we have direct references to, to, to the first two episodes of, you know, remember the last time we went looking for treasure. Uh, we're over two now, all these kind of lines. And you and I might highlight some of them later, but uh, of just this, this idea of uh, what are you looking for and what are you hoping to gain? And, and, and what are they as a group hoping to gain in the galaxy? I think that might be even one of my little bit of uh, frustration notes I felt at the end where you want them to emerge and go, F it, we are fighting the Empire, right? Like, I, I'm waiting <laughs> for that moment. And I think, because uh, uh, the, the lessons are, are there along the way. This this group taking jobs to survive, uh, moving Nerf Nuggets around from location to location, you want them to do more. You want them to let go of their own heart of the mountain uh, so they can uh, uh, do some uh, bigger good in the galaxy. And I, I think that, I took that 
a lot from this episode. And, and it all comes down to the, the moment. Again, invoking Dr. Jones telling Indiana, let it go, son. Let the grail go. <laughs> all that stuff is, 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 is it's, it's present in those stories. And it's present here because it needs to be. And we need that reminder in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was really intrigued by the fact that the treasure theme was so strong in the premiere episodes and mm-hmm. to have just a couple episodes later to have it flagged and it, it would have popped because this is a treasure hunt regardless. But then the fact that there are two lines, as you're saying, acknowledging mm-hmm. <laughs> last time we went after treasure, it didn't go as planned and the over two line it's super funny. Um, but it, to me, it just feels like the the creative team planting a flag and going this idea of what is the real treasure that wasn't just for the for the premiere. That's what's at stake in this season. Possibly. We'll see how it goes. But that made it. That's one of the things that made it feel not at all like uh, it is an adventure of the week, but not just an adventure of the week because it's building this thematic idea right. and seeing how the characters grow. You know, um, I love that it it it. Uh, it, it has this expression of fear uh, from the bad batch of treasure always bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then I think the way the episode worked out that there is this fear that fee is going to be like, uh, frankly, Han or Hondo at their lowest, worst moments, right. Where mm-hmm. they're out mm-hmm. only for themselves and, and to make, make a buck. Right. Yeah. And, and she says that, but that's not what her actions uh, demonstrate ultimately, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, she is so supportive of Omega's burgeoning sense of adventure with all the, come on kid, time to go exploring. That's the right attitude. Uh, I, I totally agree with Alex's perspective about, uh, I love Omega mirroring Fee a lot, even like, even when uh, Fee is (laughs) moving the heart of the mountain and Omega's miming doing it, you know, Uh, Fee is aware that she is being a mentor and encouraging something in Omega. And the thing that she's encouraging isn't, get the money and leave your, your sad dads behind. It's, (laughs) Hey, the experience is, you know, the treasure, the, the joy, the sense of exploration and not being afraid of the galaxy, but exploring the galaxy. That's it. And, and I love the quotes at the end that made that crystal clear, right. Uh, of Omega saying we did find the heart of the mountain. The legend was real. And Fee saying, now that's the right attitude, you know, He's yeah. only minorly bummed that she didn't make money. She still got to find out what part of this legend was true. And that's the real treasure that that was awesome. I, I think there's great value in, in making that character um, this way where, where it wasn't it isn't a long play. She did something dastardly turned on them. Uh, it, 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 you kind of got to know her character right then and there. I, I think. I, I, where I think she would have returned the heart of the mountain on her own eventually. <laughs> like, I think she would have got there. And that, that makes her, uh, to me, even more valuable to the story and to the group. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, it, it, it is just like this. Um, this is a weird comparison. But for me, it's like shopping for old vinyl. A part of the thrill is the hunt. Like, I, there's a specific mm-hmm. Dean Martin album I want to find. And the day I find it will be great. But in some ways all of the days that I go into a record store hoping to find it and finding something else, that's almost as joyful because it's the thrill of the hunt as well as the success of the hunt, Um, which is very safe to go into record stores. Not that much danger. I have never encountered any booby traps in record stores, but a similar emotion. Yeah. 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 And I think in in this uh, treasure theme is also like what, what is the real treasure? What are they doing here? Should they be there? Right. Uh, that's the part of this episode that I think really didn't uh, look away from the history of adventure stories. You know, uh, I think 
there's all the ideas about, hey, are you preserving other people's culture or are you raiding it? Uh, are you disrespecting their culture? Are you not uh, taking into account, even for a culture that's gone, what the point of this was and, and what they would have wanted for it? Do they want that not removed? I think there's the other level. Uh, when I talk about not accidentally bringing things forward, um, if you look at some of these classic stories that that Indiana Jones and, and to my knowledge, Uncharted are, are built on, you know, a lot of those serials uh, in particular uh, are about going to exciting foreign places, which they are exciting and foreign from, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Eurocentric American perspective for other people like yeah people live in south america (laughs) people live in africa people live in jungles it is it is exciting from our perspective but you have to be gentle with like but uh, billions of people have lived there it's that's just their home it's not exotic you know it's not your trip your your expensive vacation yeah 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 so how do you how do you kind of uh update these adventure stories and get that, that wonderful sense of thrill of going into the unknown while also respecting that for other people, it is very known. It's their home. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I get play with the wrong powers and, and just ask yourself why you're there, what you're, what you're looking for, I think is, is, is the big overriding uh, uh, theme on that one for me. And, and a lot of the stuff I've planned this episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think it, I think they raise the question with the actual dialogue, uh, much like the Bad Batch uh, wrestling with their own nouns of, of who are they? Are they, you know, soldiers, mercenaries, bounty hunters uh, that there's that back and forth uh, where uh, where Fee describes herself as a treasure hunter and Hunter says, don't you mean pirate? And she says, liberator of ancient wonders. And much like with the money and the greed, she talks about liberating. But at the end of the day, she is a little bit more respectful, right? When uh, the compass gets, uh, you know, swallowed by the rock. Basically mm-hmm. she very uh, sagely tells Omega it served its purpose. Scar and Nalls reclaimed it mm-hmm. and she's not gnashing her teeth about, um, you know, I wanted to sell that or I wanted to reuse that mm-hmm. or that, you know, she's, she's okay with it. And and I love that Omega's just like repeating it. Scar and Nalls reclaimed it. So there's this yeah. little bit more respect for, for leaving things where they should be. Um, and I think it, it raises this interesting question of she's excited to see the heart of the mountain, obviously, um, V and, and pulls it out where if she let tech maybe examine it for a minute, <laughs> would they have revealed that the heart's true purpose is a lock, which by the way is a, is a very Lovecraftian vibe there of like, Oh no, it's uh it's, it's, that's a cap <laughs> on the horrible yeah. power underneath. Yeah, it's always like, no, don't do that. No, don't you don't ever undo something. That's that's my lesson in life. Leave, yeah. leave the lock there. Yeah, and in tech explicitly says if removing the heart of the mountain activated, perhaps we must return it to its proper place to deactivate it. So it's really question. It's celebrating. Great, you need to have knowledge. Go out there and see something ancient, but maybe leave it there. <laughs> Study it take some pictures, do a PowerPoint presentation, whatever, but maybe leave it where it's meant to be for the purpose it was built for. I feel like that's the big, uh, you know, idea that this episode is really wrestling with the, the history of adventure stories. You never know when a mountain kaiju tech monster is around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was interesting that the, the tech kaiju was, you know, the, the theory seemed to be uh, uh, directed at what was foreign. Mel, 
the ship, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't just random. It was, you, it turns to Mel. It turns to the ship. Like what shouldn't be here? I'm yeah. going to eradicate the interlopers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Poor Mel. Poor Mel. Yeah. And still, then, you know, yeah. you, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Mel, Mel's still going, but poor Mel. <laughs> poor Mel. Still, still. It was a, it was a hard one. It yeah. was a hard one uh, for sure. And then, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, they are celebrating just that they saw it, that they know it's real. But I think it also leaves that big question of should they have left it alone because you destroyed (laughs) the creatures of threat, which you unleashed and then also destroyed. And then the heart of the mountain is gone. Uh, It it isn't just a tidy uh, resolution. It it wrestles with these questions about what's the appropriate way to to handle these kind of stories and those kind of artifacts in real life. And, you know, did they do right? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't think we'll return to this uh, planet. I I, I really don't. But uh, I have this lingering uh, thought of, uh, you know, again, maybe maybe they find someone else comes here and starts to pull apart what happened there. And maybe that's a problem. Yeah, no, or or maybe this was on Palpatine's long list of like, oh yeah, I, I hear there's a horrible power there. I got to get to that. <laughs> yeah, and they got there before old Palpatine. Uh, any other big picture thoughts for you? Uh, no, I think we hit all the big ones there. Uh, the fun, the wrong powers, treasures, friendship was our goal along the way. No, that one's that one's not there. Okay, uh, and then a uh, lot of the big stuff with Hunter. I, I really love just. Um, Analyzes and I, you know, I often tell you. Sometimes I, I'm glad I don't have the answer. Sometimes I look at Hunter and like, what's he playing at? What's he learning? What's he getting to? And I think uh, you'll look back on the journey, and this will be an important uh, series of moments for Hunter and Omega. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think Hunter's a fascinating character. He's a really understandable and relatable character because he's a leader. He's a dad. He just wants to, as he says. I'm only interested in getting us out of here in one piece. I think he maybe has that tattooed somewhere on his leg. Yeah. He should. <laughs> As he should. Yeah. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, the dive in uh, deeper here with you. I really, really enjoyed this episode because it, I, I like episodes that are absolutely adventure of the week, but then they're constructed in such a way to invite you to think deeper about the nature of the adventure, the nature of the storytelling. So I really responded to this one. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss some action, some comedy, some canon, all sorts of fun stuff back in a moment. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to continue our discussion of uh, episode five, season two, Entombed of the Bad Batch. Uh, there were some fun action moments and some comedy moments. Let's talk about action first, Ken. Did you have some favorite action moments? I'm going to go to the big one. Uh, just start with this main event. It's at about 2038 on at least my uh, screener link here. It is that long shot of the kaiju leaving the mountain. So it's already been revealed, but it kind of, and that thing shoots out, shoots out of the mountain. But when it itself steps out, and the sounds you talk about just great sound design i really love that shot and even that first viewing where i was just slurping my soup i, I stopped and just like had that like whoa moment uh it reminded me of some of uh i, I i've always said this, i'm a i'm a fan of spielberg's war of the worlds and i know that maybe mm. a lot of people aren't i, I, I actually I like that one I like a lot of, uh, I like it. I like the movie a lot. And there's some really scary, <laughs> giant monster tech alien shots there. And this had all those elements that just made me just go, oh, this is, this is spectacular. Which again, lead, led to this, like, then the Zillow beast is going to be there to fight it. Right. And when it wasn't, I had to work through that disappointment. But I love that shot. It's, it's a great action shot. No, I agree with you. I think that there are some, some of those kind of perspective shots that you often have in, in, you know, big monster kaiju type movies were the worlds where uh you see it a little bit from the perspective uh, of the people who are at the feet of the beast right and then it looks like they had to send a cameraman three to five miles away to capture the entire height of the thing and it's almost got yeah. this like documentary filmmaking like yeah like like war of the worlds like uh, hey our heroes can only see the the underbelly of the thing and can't even quite comprehend the full scale but but some a-hole back there on top of his building who should not be filming is the one who can capture the full horrifying glory of the height of the thing and i think that shot captures it a lot 
Yeah. So yeah, that, I love that. There's a lot of individual actual moments, but that was just a, a, a put your soup spoon down moment. <laughs> it really was absolutely great. Uh, and there's some, some, uh, great stuff there with the, the tech kaiju, as I keep calling it. Uh, but I also like the, some of the early stuff with the, with the beast, mm-hmm. uh, the record just, <laughs> just punching it in the head. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I also, the mon that, that, that beast, the monster, whatever you want to call it, does this really annoyed back kick to Wrecker that it wasn't like a fight. <laughs> it was like, get out of here. It was great. I love that little moment. Not you again. Yeah. yeah. And the, the ripping the horn off was pretty violent. Uh, but great, great fun. It, we didn't really talk about the beast in the big picture ideas. Um, did you take the beast as just like, this is my home. I live in this mountain, your food or your annoyance, or, or did you take it like the beast was almost like aware, like don't mess with this place. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I think on the second view and I, I, I had that possibility more in my head where we don't spend a lot of time with the beast. We don't go back to his studio apartment there. We don't see how he's living, but I got a sense that he, they, whatever the, the beast was would, understand this have a sense of the danger like it's not like there it's not like the knight in last crusade guarding the grail right it's not there <laughs> acting the heart of the mountain but it knows what it is i got mm-hmm. that more than the second view and the first view was a little bit more like finally i can eat i've been waiting uh so and, and, and probably a combination of all of that but i think that's a that's a great question and point yeah yeah you're invited to wonder about that i think mm-hmm. so uh yeah so i love that um i i also love that uh that wrecker uh, got to be smart. He was the one who came up with the idea for Omega to shoot out the window, uh, yeah. so that he could do the spin. It was a great wrecker episode. He was fun. His super strength came into play, and he had a good idea. He did have a good idea. Shoot the window, and then he whips him out like he's competing in an Olympic event. I love it. <laughs> yeah, beast pudding. Yeah. Uh, so then everything else for me is is the tech kaiju. What other what other moments do you have for that monstrosity? Well, just, again, the design of it, uh, it's 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 classic in a, in a lot of ways. It, it invokes a lot of uh, memories of stories and movies and, and things you've heard or read before. And I, I think that uh, is wonderful. I, I mentioned up top, this episode is very much a, a genre stew. And, and that's a part of Star Wars tradition uh, where it just uh, kind of makes its own meal based on ingredients we're familiar with. And, and therefore you kind of love it. I, I, the, just the way that that laser... On, on the monster, Kaiju monster started to like, you know, when it went to fire, you know, it just was great. I just love the design, the pacing, the tension that of like, oh, the lasers forming. Mel's going to get it. Oh, Mel didn't uh, get out. Um, I, I love all of it and how it was put together. Yeah, I really, really agree. I think the War of the Worlds is a really great, uh, great example. It has these vibes of, of early science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, combined with the ancient and all that. And I love the the buildup effect uh, I wrote down too mm-hmm. for it, it, the the way that little energy kind of danced around. It was almost like it was like uh, sucking in something from the environment yeah. <laughs> to help yeah. power it. Uh, and then the, just the huge explosion of raw power. Uh, and then my favorite shot of uh, of Kaiju destruction was uh, was poor uh, Mel just just hauling her little trash can butt <laughs> and getting obliterated. Yeah. And just the way they handled it was great. And, and on the second view, it was a little less uh, upset. Like I wasn't like fist pounding on the table upset, but I was just like, you can't kill the droid. Come on. Oh, okay. She's all right. Okay. Yeah. I, that's a fascinating point too. Cause I think there's a part of me of like, well, I, w- when Mel got obliterated, I was bummed, but also like, Hey, stakes, it's real. Yeah. Then I actually do. I liked it from, 
Fee's perspective as a character, or what we're learning about her as a character, right? Because mm-hmm. if she really was uh, this uh, greedy, lie-spewing person that uh, Hunter and Echo rightfully were concerned that she might be, she would have been like, yeah, yeah I can get another, right? Yeah. But it, it shows that she knows this is dangerous and she's literally got a backup, right? That yeah. that she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Always back up your files, kids. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I wish that uh, my all my backup drives had legs and could run. That would be great. Same. <laughs> uh, any more action moments or should we go on to comedy, whimsy, weirdness? Uh, the only thing I'll say is uh, when they're fighting that uh, that beast, uh, I I always love and hate um, in, in the sense of I put myself in the story when when you can't blast your way out of it when when even Omega's bow does nothing to the creature. It's a lesson <laughs> of you know hey you got to find other ways to solve things, much like even last week's episode. But uh, I always get that like little tension of like whoa, what are they gonna do? Luckily, right. yeah. Yeah, no, I have the total Legend of Zelda reaction of like, could, could the part of the beast that is vulnerable please flash red so we know where to shoot at? Uh, that's awesome. All right, let's move on then to comedy, whimsy, weirdness. Uh, I think we we touched on some of these beats, but uh, we're going to touch some more. Uh, what were some favorites for you? I Right in the beginning, you talk about whimsy, uh, just Omega's glee at the garbage when when she's just like <laughs> among other things like she's so happy to be scavenging and looking and finding the true treasures there. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I love how supportive Wrecker is, and I love that what she's doing is you know she doesn't have any eye for you know she's not trying to find coordinates. She's picking up things that look different and interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. almost her validating a little bit of the adventure of the week too. Of like, hey, it can just look cool. Might lead to something fun. Yeah. 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 Could. Yeah. So there's a great, great one. What are some other moments for you? Uh, I uh, looked, uh, sorry, my notes disappeared. Hey, kids, that's what happens when you have, uh, don't have Mel around. Uh, the, the note you were just about to read goes bye-bye. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I like the tech stuff. Uh, Omega has another moment of coordinate markings. Uh, I uh, just... Her excitement, again, speaking to the meta level, uh, this episode reaches of just like, here I am kind of like, God, what is is Palpatine here or what? Like, what's going on? And she's <laughs> like, coordinate markings? Like, we're going to go on adventure. It's like, it softened my, my soul. She's such a great character. Uh, I'm so glad people just absolutely love Omega because they should. And all those little tiny moments really add up. Yeah, it's so good. So good. One of the ones uh, I wrote down is... Uh, is Fee saying early on, because the best treasures aren't usually found on maps. Omega saying, there's treasure there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, it, just joy and adventure and a contrast, right? From that, that the premiere episodes where she was just concerned about the hard, cold reality of we don't have enough money, we need to get money, right? And now it's a joy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Early on, I really liked Below and Catch uh, gasping in shock at, at Fee's story and and leaning in and wanting to know more. That was really fun. Yeah, no, I've grown to really like those characters. You and I love uh, Star Wars barflies in there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, great record line of uh, it's the screaming, it's drooling on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, the records. He's just my favorite. The, the, he also had the, oh, it is a secret entrance. I just, that's sometimes me too. Oh, <laughs> Oh, the answer is what you told me. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Saying the, the, the truth out loud. Uh, I, I have a friend uh, in Minneapolis that sometimes people would rib because out of just pure joy, 
somebody would say something funny and he would appreciate it. So he would say it again louder. Uh, and then people started making fun of him uh, for uh, trying to take other people's jokes, which he wasn't trying to. He was just being record of just like, you said something funny. I'm going to repeat it even louder at the bar. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's record. Uh, I like the interaction between uh, Fee and Hunter where she's about to go into another tall tale. She says, this reminds me of the time I tracked down the Belmont diatom. And Hunter just goes, I don't care. <laughs> love that. I love uh, uh, you guy tech there. This puts us 0-2 in treasure hunting, even with a professional. He, can, he doesn't know he's being snarky. And I love that about him. No, no. I mean, I think he he's uh, doing exactly what he does. He's analyzing all the factors, right? How, how has he been? Did he start a new document on his data pad saying treasure hunting and made a note of uh, possibly it would go better with a professional? And this time he's like, no. <laughs> but it's just so, so perfect for him to be keeping the literal stats. This puts us at O for two. In treasure yep. hunting. Also, again, just the amount of highlighting of the literal word treasure. I'm really curious to see how this develops over the course of the season. Yeah. And then I, uh, yes. Yeah. If season's all about treasure. And then the, the O for two, I was going to actually ask you that for, to, for me is a big baseball term, right? A big mm-hmm. uh, you, 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 two at bats and zero hits that definitely translate translates outside of baseball. Uh, and outside uh, maybe in other sports and other walks of life. I, I totally get that. But I, I, I wasn't pulled out of the story, but I laughed. I was like, is baseball in Star Wars? <laughs> like, <laughs> if you go over two, you usually know what that means. <laughs> like, is there some, so now I'm curious if we can get a, 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 a star ball uh, in Star Wars that would uh, explain the reference to me. And again, I understand there's probably other examples, even our real world of, of zero for two and what that means. I totally get it. But as a baseball fan, I just had that like, wait, is Sports space star ball. Does that exist? What's going on? <laughs> There's grav ball, right? And then uh, yeah. other random sports, but that's great. Cause I have just uh, absorbed that as a general cultural thing. I didn't realize that terminology was so directly tied to baseball, which it might've bumped me a little bit more. I mean, to be, again, to be honest, a, a, you, someone could point out other origins, but for me, just that, that is baseball. So it's just, it's a funny, a fun way to look at it. But I, I so therefore I really, really love that line on a lot of levels. I want them to subvert a bunch of different baseball stats. I want Tech to start uh, talking about RBIs, and that's his uh, <laughs> his ranking of rancors brought in. Like so far, we have one RBI. <laughs> Our base percentages. Like, what? <laughs> Love that. Uh, any other comedy whimsy moments before we move on to canon? No, let's dive into the canon and non-canon of it all. Yeah, we write this uh, section out in our little notes that we take as favorite Star Wars canon lore connections to other stories. Uh, I feel like this uh, this episode's connection to other stories was uh, a love of stories, of lore, mm-hmm. of tall tales, of what is the difference between canon and legend. And uh, yeah, I went through uh, myself. You uh, confirmed that absolute expert and our friend Alex Damon over at Star Wars Explained uh, also uh, found what, what I found from Googling is that this story is chock full of not canon, um, mm-hmm. which I think really added to this episode. Everything that Fee references uh, is is the kind of references that would normally be, oh, Lotho Minor gets mentioned. Some, you know, ancient mm-hmm. ship from the, the from Legends gets mentioned. Uh, everything is non-canon, right? The Kaldar tr- trinary system. There's mentions of trinary systems, but 
that's mm. called not Carnal, a uh, Scarnal that everybody knows about. We've never heard uh, mm. reference to that in the High Republic, you know, or anything like mm. that. The Blade of Zakatapar, an Octomorph, the Grand Pearl of Novak, the Vadnade Chalice, the Kingdom of Elways. Um, might be some real world references uh, in there, you know. I don't know if Kingdom of Elways is is referencing, you know, Carrie Elways, but. <laughs> How can you? uh, It's a the canon thing. I want to talk about it is the choice to make it not canon. We'll talk about you know what what Fee says about this is older than the Jedi. That's an interesting thing. But Mm -hmm. but even even separate from that, uh, how do you feel about Fee being this treasure hunter, this explorer who has kind of a a language that goes beyond the referential to stuff that's so ancient, obscure, and old that we as Star Wars fans haven't heard about it in 40 plus years. I I love it. It it frees it up a little bit. I I love a good reference. I think when this episode started and was kind of getting into its uh, plot mechanics, I I thought, oh, are we going to have a High Republic reference? Like, is she going to say something about the Nile or or Mm -hmm. Elzor Man? and, And that stuff could come and I think at times should come. I, I would love to see it connected to some of these uh, stories. Um, they're doing a great job in the comics with that, of course, but they've had a chance to build it in a little bit better uh, and more time to, I should say. So no, uh, to your actual question, I, 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 there's a certain freedom to it. It's mm-hmm. just more stories to learn. It's more uh, articles to, to write on Wikipedia and all that. And I, and I do love that. Uh, I, I, as my relationship with legend sometimes is strained over the years, or just something quite frankly, just doesn't exist. So I, I need someone like you uh, or Alex or anyone else to, to make a list and, and go, Oh, that's from a comic in 82. That's I need that. <laughs> I really do. And I appreciate the, the insight, but did that just happen to be something brand new? It just works for the character. It works for what you were talking about. Some of the themes of the story, finding the truth in it, finding what's there for you. So it connects to all that. But um, I, I liked it for this episode a lot, and I liked it for that character. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it because I felt like this was an episode that's that's really exploring why why do we like these adventure stories where you go into the total unknown? Well, what's in the unknown is a uh, fear because you don't know what's in there. But then when you do go in and you discover something new, then there's wonder and discovery and challenging yourself and uh, you know all these great ideas. And I think. You know, that's part of what the thrill of Star Wars was at the very beginning. You know, if you're lucky enough to be a 12 year old in 1977, you're coming out of the theater going, what the bleep is the Clone Wars? You know, and what was Obi-Wan like when he was young? Right. And I love the interconnected storytelling. And if they go after, you know, the the cloak of Elzar man as a treasure, I'll be over the moon. I love it. It's, it's not it's not disliking the connection, right. but it's also valuing when something is totally unknown, even to us, it reignites that imagination, right? Because we get the, if you mention the cloak of Elzar man, we get that, Ooh, this story, this makes the galaxy even richer. What has happened before matters, you know, but it is a little like we're being rewarded for the knowledge we already have. These references are challenging us to go. You don't know what the Vadinate chalice is. So for now, wonder, make it up and and it reignites that love of the ancient and the mysterious and the unknown. Yeah. Maybe loosens our grip on, on some of those canon connections that I, 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 I'm pretty confident you and I are not uh, gripping too tightly the canon connections, but I, I know out there that could be sometimes um, a big battle. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and to me there, there are uh, connections, right? Because Mm -hmm. the, the planet that they go to here, uh, Scar and all is uncharted. Right. And, and that does have connections to, you know, uh, you get to wonder, is Fee trying to find Octo in Exegol? Does she even know about them? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that the idea of an uncharted planet is, you know, not entirely new. Uh, 
the thing that uh, on on some brief googling when I when I googled a lot of these terms to try to make sure that they hadn't popped up elsewhere of all of her tall tales, uh, what did pop up a lot is a lot of articles about this episode saying Star Wars reveals history older than Jedi. <laughs> oh man. So, website just so tired of them. I'm oh, sure some of the articles are are yeah. great and everything, but it is really it, it, it is. Um, I'm sure some of the content in those articles are great, but it is looking for the canon connection, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. highlighting that and underlining that because. It, it's, I think, an assumption that that is what people would want. So they'll click on it. Yes. Yes. And, and for the most part, that's what works. I get it. I get it. I get the, uh, the, the business of it. But yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I think that was there might be something real and valuable in the articles yeah. beyond the business of it, but it's hard not to see the business of it. Of like, okay, what was in this episode that might be, you know, that might make somebody who isn't even watching The Bad Batch, like a power older than the Jedi, right? Some... Yeah, forty year old who just likes the original trilogy might go, "Ooh, cool! What you know?" Yeah, yeah. Or, or they'll get in their car and be like, "Oh, changing things, like the old republic." <laughs> I, I feel like Hunter at that bar right now, just yeah. not being staring at that article that I didn't even see. I, I like this image that that we've created this episode. That anytime you're grumpy, uh, that somebody also has soup. So now I'm imagining angry car videos where people are just angrily eating soup while complaining <laughs> about changes to Star Wars canon. Soup in a car. I don't know. I'll point out. I'm usually really happy when I have a bowl of soup. I, I'm in my soup phase right now in life. Soup in Hawaiian rolls. All right. <laughs> oh man, that's so lucky. I had a, I had a soup phase for a while there. I got to get back to soup. Yeah, they come and go. They come and go. yeah. They, it might it might be time for the the soup adventures. Anyway, we're not here to talk about soup. We're here to talk about the ancients. Uh, there's an exchange of dialogue that uh, kicked off th- some of those articles. Uh, Fee says it traces back to the ancients. Echoes means says you mean the Jedi. Fee says no, older. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you? Where did you go with that? What was interesting to you about that? It is a reminder to me. Glad you pointed that out. It was a reminder to me that that. There is time before the Jedi, whether we get there or not in stories, uh, check the articles to see if it happens. But that just, um, that, that looking at the Jedi order, what they are, they are, they are not the be all end all of, of the center of the Star Wars story. And I mean that from inside the story and maybe the Jedi order needs to know that, right? We, we, Mm -hmm. we did not exist. We couldn't fail to exist again. And again, I'm aware of where we're in the story. The Bad Batch is kind of post that. Uh, It's just a reminder of that journey of the Jedi order itself. It's like, Hey, you're, you're not permanent. Maybe, maybe realize that. Hmm. Yeah, no, I really like that. I really like that. I, I think for me, it, it just kind of, it lines up with some of the other things that this story is playing with, with what is valuable about adventure mm-hmm. stories, but also Star Wars is an adventure story. Star Wars is a legend and a tall tale. And some of its original power, in my opinion, is making it space fantasy that there, you can never know the entire galaxy. You can never know the entire past. Uh, the Star Wars galaxy will always be ancient, more ancient than you can ever know and you can ever fathom. I think that's a, a part of like the mood and the aesthetic. And I really like reclaiming some of that. And I think this does it as well of like, wow, the Jedi are, you know, so ancient. They're mostly forgotten where, you know, uh, we thought this planet, we maybe, maybe we thought Tython or Ossus prime was the, uh, home place, but, but it, it's Octo. At least that's what yeah. we believe for now, you know, it, and, and even that was 
Octo got started a billion years after this tech kaiju mm. was built. I, I, I like that because it makes it like uh, it, it's fantasy. There'll never be every story happens a long time ago and there will always be a longer time ago than that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the next trilogy. Damon Lindelof's movie is about the <laughs> scar planet. What is it? Sorry, I didn't write it. <laughs> scar and all. Scar and all. Yeah. Tech kaiju of scar and all. <laughs> uh, uh, that said, eh, there are still uh, other canon connections. I, I I did like to the compasses, you know, got got a vibe of the one that Luke got on Pilio in, in Battlefront mm-hmm. 2. Uh, how do you feel about that? I, you know, I compasses and flashlights in star wars are an interesting thing to me uh where you get four flashlights in this episode they've had them before folks i know uh i just it, it seems like sometimes i expect and they're just their eyes to have lights in them i don't know why uh, and the compasses <laughs> just seems so wonderfully ancient and i like that i like how it plays against what they got that even tech can't really immediately figure it out you know and it, uh, yeah organic yeah yeah uh, I agree. I really like them. And, and, and they're such a staple of of adventure stories and of unlocking yeah. the ancient and the la- lost and forgotten and all that. Um, speaking of ancient powers unlocked, that's the other canon thing I wrote down that um, I do think it connects to ideas in Star Wars because we do have lots of ancient powers uh, unlocked. You know, the temple on Malachor, which is such a big, big deal in Rebels. Uh, the Drenger being freed on that space station in the High Republic, you know, uh, held in place by stones, right? Uh, the, that are also tech... Uh, the the lots of stories of ancient Sith weapons across you know legends and canon and all that. How did you feel about that? Like, do you do you like that that is kind of a staple in Star Wars of like, uh, oh man, we unlock the ancient weapon again? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like it. Uh, I, I have no problem with it, it when it's used. Um, I don't want to say sparingly, but when it's used in a, in a, in a fun, effective way. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, yeah, because even like Star Killer Base is the one that I go to of like, yeah, all right, okay, we did that again, but it it's. Um, Someone's always, every culture, every time, someone's going to try to build a giant thing to either control or destroy or protect what's going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Any other canon things that you picked up on? Nothing immediately jumped to mind for me, no. Yeah, I really, really liked uh, that it wasn't as chock full. It was full of things that are either explicitly non-canon or not they're canon now. They weren't canon at the time. They're not references, or it is just vibes, <laughs> like the compass and the ancient power unlocked all that. Uh, was there anything in this episode that you specifically disliked or questioned that you wanted to talk about? No, nothing. Nothing in the episode at all. Uh, again, it it was really fun, and and uh, I need that. And and just the imagery, the design, the sound design. Everything's been so great this season, uh, last season as well. But I just think they're. Uh, flying, uh, flying high here right now. Uh, some of the stuff I said up top, just where I was watching this episode, what uh, other people will think watching this episode sometimes gets in my head. And so sometimes maybe I want the show to do what I want it to do right then and now. And that's not what this show is going to do. And I, I do love that about this bad batch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really agree. And I, and I'm very curious to see with the kind of amount of, big and interesting things that are in the trailer to see kind of how they're spaced out, uh, to see how much an episode like this at this point in the season Mm. right now, it could feel like, okay, it's an adventure of the week. And if you want to dive into the history of adventure storytelling and what is the theme of uh, tall tales and legends, if you want to dive in there, it's, it's really got some meat on its bones. Uh, 
but it could, as the season goes, it could be, yeah, it was a, it was an adventure of the week with some, some fun avenues, uh, to ideas. Mm-hmm. Or we could look back and this could be the absolutely vital episode. You know, we don't know exactly where it's going to lead Omega. We don't know how important of a character fee is going to be. And I always like being at this point too, of, of just not knowing, like, is this going to turn out to be an absolutely vital episode? Yeah. And, and, and it very well could be with a lot of things we're talking about. Again, uh, I look at a lot of Hunter's stuff in this episode and wonder where he's going to take it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do also like, <laughs> uh, the, the little, the little bit that we got, uh, from, uh, echo, uh, saying the last time we went after treasure, it didn't go as planned, just glaring at Hunter. Right. And, and to me, that was like this little beat of extending echo story of like, I keep telling you, we should be helping people. Mm-hmm. Another treasure hunting episode. How'd that one go? How'd that one go? Can we get yeah. back to the rebellion? Says echo yeah. on uh, bad batch. Uh, forums. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, that was the only other thing that I wanted to be sure to touch on. We already talked about the music. Was there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Now again, how did the music right about the nine minute mark? This is like kind of the discovery stuff. A lot of people already out there highlighting that it's uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the well of souls, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it just, again, shows that Kevin Connors always been just wonderful, this music, but um Star Wars uh, is, is built on so many things that came before it in the most wonderful way. And it just uh, creates something new to enjoy. And I love that. Yeah. I really, really like the music. I think it sold the ideas because you, you do have like the, the danger and the horror uh, of that, those big blaring horns of just like ancient terror yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when the tech kaiju awakens. But there's so much in this episode that's just, it's about wonder, right? Uh, that uh, very uh, John Williams sense of, oh, wow, I pushed through the fear and I discovered there's something more. That's so, the music is so underlining what Omega is feeling and the reward that she's getting for being curious and open to joy. Indeed, no, absolutely. So our final question is always is one of fun and joy. We think Omega and Wrecker would like this question. If you could have a figure or merch or a random piece of trash based on this episode, Ken, what would you want? I, I you know, I kind of, we definitely need a fee figure. Uh, that's something that I can see happening. And with a little uh, one version of Mel at her side. Uh, I love that. I think if um, I, I wouldn't mind a poster of some art of that, a kaiju monster coming out of the mountain. It's so beautiful. It's it's horrific and and, and, and powerful and scary, but it's also beautiful. And I love that shot. Put yeah. it on my- Oh yeah, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. I definitely want a, a fee action figure, particularly when I noticed her pirate sword is light up. So if she came with light up pirate sword. I, yes, so glad you mentioned that. Ah, I forgot to put that down. I love that weapon. That is a gorgeous glowing sword. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, let, let's get the, the Comtech chips back so you can put her on there and get the, the tall tale action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is chattering away. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a uh, Mel pop up in a, in a droid pack at, uh, at Disneyland. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the final thing I want, the poster's great, a black light poster, of the tech kaiju. But what I would love is a lamp uh, that you you pull the string and the tech kaiju uh, makes the noise and then their mouth powers up, but it's just a light. Okay. okay. Could that also double as an alarm clock? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> an alarm clock that's a fake mountain and it <laughs> explodes out of it when it's time to wake up. 
Yeah. Yeah. That would be absolutely wonderful. All right. That is it. That's our look at this episode of Bad Batch Entombed. What will next week bring? We have to be curious and wait for the adventure for the tall tale. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Uh, we are on Hive Social at Force Center on Instagram and YouTube as well. Don't forget, we're trying to get subscribers over there to reach our next goal of 7,000. If you want to head over there and subscribe, hit that notification bell so you can get things like our live show the next one, January. 27th and more things come and few uh figure fights is on the way as well in february so check that out there we're on facebook at four center podcast and don't forget you can find us on a lot of spots including iheart uh, iheart radio uh google podcast apple podcast and more uh you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center follow me at ken napsock go to my website ken for more joseph where can they find you yeah, you can find me on all the social media with the handle at Joseph Scrimshaw. In particular, I'm highlighting Instagram. It's one of the happier places on the old social media sphere. So I'd love to find uh, some more friends on Instagram. But I'm also on Twitter, Hive, Mastodon, I think. I checked. I wasn't sure if I'm on Mastodon still. <laughs> find out for me if I'm still on Mastodon. Uh, in the coming weeks, uh, I am, have a new short, uh, the one that played at the Lovecraft Film Festival. I will be uh, debuting on my YouTube channel. So if you want to uh, go and uh, click the subscribe button for Force Center, uh, hey, throw one more on there and subscribe to my channel, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, on YouTube. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Omega's sense of wonder, this has been the Bad Batch Report. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 